scripture reading tonight is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The word of the Lord. Well, this will be uh, our last uh, night uh, for a while in Philippians. Next week, it's the last night of the church year, and we're going to spend some time thinking about Thanksgiving. And you might take some time this week and kind of reflect on what you're thankful for. We'll give you an opportunity to express that uh, a little bit next Sunday night. Um, I watched a video this week uh, of a man named John Perkins. Some of you may not know who John Perkins is. He's 85 years old. Uh, He started a a ministry called Christian Community Development. uh, I won't go too much into it, but he was uh, nearly beaten to death in Mississippi uh, in the 1970. He vowed to leave. Uh, It was a racially motivated beating. He became a Christian. He decided, I need to go back into my hometown and do exactly what uh, the video was talking about, incarnate there. And that has led to a, a movement where thousands upon thousands of Christians have moved back into the inner city and um, tried to bring Christ's life there. He's, he's 85 now, and the sermon was, that he gave was very, very powerful. But what affected me the most was simply an 85-year-old man and his life, a life that had been lived fully for Christ. And sometimes that actually is is one of the most powerful motivators to following Christ is when we see examples of godly people, godly men, godly women walking with Christ. So I think really what Paul is trying to do in this portion of Scripture that sounds a lot like just travel plans, it's kind of like you intercepted an email and he said, okay, I'll pick you up here, we're going to go over there, and you think, this is inspired Scripture? Okay, what, uh, what are we supposed to get out of this? Well, It is travel plans. He is telling who he's going to send when. But it's also an example of what it looks like to love. Remember, if you've been with us and following along, Paul's been talking about Christ-like love in in, uh, this portion of Philippians. And he gives this wonderful teaching in Philippians 2, verse 3, to nothing from rivalry or conceit and humility count others more significant than yourselves, 
Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about how Christ didn't think it robbery to hold on to the privileges of God. He, he laid his life down. He went to the cross for us. And I think what Paul's doing in this little travelogue here is he's giving three examples of three Christians who exemplified Christ-like love. So what I want to do tonight is just briefly look at each example and then see if we can draw some conclusions at the end about what it looks like to love as Christ loves. The first example Paul mentions is Timothy, who he calls his son in the Lord. And here's where we introduce, we're introduced to Timothy. It's in Acts chapter 16. Read a few verses. Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. So Paul is drawn to this young man on the second missionary journey. And Acts tells us that uh, he is with Paul in Thessalonica, Philippi, Berea, Corinth, and Ephesus. And he is with Paul now as Paul's imprisoned in Rome. And Paul seems to have a deep affection and love for him. Now, you learn a little bit more about Timothy if you read uh, the letters of First and Second Timothy. One of the things you find out is that Timothy is kind of a timid young man. He struggles a lot with fear. Paul is often saying things like, now don't be afraid. Timothy apparently struggles with lust. Ephesus was a kind of a carnal city, and so Timothy, has, Paul writes him and says, now, now don't, don't let those lustful thoughts take control of you. Uh, Timothy has a bad stomach. And so one of the things Paul says is, uh, take a little wine for your stomach. And you get the feeling that he's not a natural born leader. Uh, uh, Paul will write the Corinthians and he'll say, now please don't despise this man. <laughs> That's not usually the introduction you want when you're getting up to speak is, you know, here's Doug Bannister, please don't despise him. <laughs> you know? uh, so Timothy evidently wasn't, you know, a real strong type A Leader, uh, he tells the Ephesians, "Now don't look down on his youthfulness." You know, so so you get the feeling that Timothy, you know, has some issues. If you read First and Second Timothy closely, you get the feeling that he's about ready to quit. And Paul's telling him to stay in his post, and yet at the end of his life, it's Timothy who's with him in Rome. So Paul says, "I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon." I pray that I'd be cheered by news of you. I have nobody like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And Paul uses a word there in concern that he doesn't normally use for compassion. It's a very strong word. And it's often used in the New Testament for worry or concern. Sometimes it's even used for a troubling emotional disturbance that keeps you awake at night. So, with all his problems, Timothy is a young man who just has this ability to care deeply for other people. So much so, and maybe I'm reading too much into it here, but it wouldn't surprise me that his stomach problems 
are related to how much he cares. Maybe he cares too much. How much he worries as he lies awake at night. Think of Matthew's description of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the word means affected in the gut. So Timothy has this kind of great heart for people that he loves. And Paul says uh, that I couldn't send anybody else. They all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. Everybody evidently had kind of let Paul go. It was a risky thing to hang around someone who was on trial for a capital crime. And so Paul was feeling very lonely. Uh, feeling very lonely and had felt that, um, that there was no one there for him. And Paul says that it's time for Timothy to travel to Philippi to care for the Philippians. Now I want to think about that with you for just a minute. Um, it's an 800-mile journey from Rome to Philippi. The first 360 miles are on the Appian Way. And then you have to sail across the Adriatic. And then you have a 370-mile journey uh, up the Ignatian Way towards the city of Philippi. Now think about Timothy for a moment. He, uh, he may have ulcerative colitis. Uh, he may have a colon problem. He may have IBS. Uh, and Paul has just called him into his prison cell and said, we love these people, Timothy, don't we? And Timothy said, yeah. I can't go, can I? No. I'm sending you. And I can't imagine what that would have been like if I was doing this as a film and I was going to kind of end each character study with a snapshot. I I think the snapshot here would be of this young man with his little pack setting out on the Appian Way to walk to Greece because they were having relational problems in their church. (laughs) And remember, church is not megachurch. Church is like a couple of small groups. So it's a tremendous sacrifice. It's a tremendous care. All right, we're going to try to wrap this up with application at the end. Just hold on to that picture for a moment of Timothy. The second example of Christ-like love is Epaphroditus. And when the Philippians hear that Paul is in jail, they send him uh, a gift through a young man named Epaphroditus. He must have been a very brave man. He also was willing to travel 800 miles. He also knew that he was going to Rome, the center of the empire, to work with a man who'd been condemned to die, which meant that he would be putting his own life at risk. And he becomes, Paul says, very sick, nearly dying. Paul also says he's been longing for you. It's it's the idea, he's homesick. He's been in Rome now. He's supposed to stay in Rome and care for Paul, but he's gotten homesick. That might have caused some of his sickness. And then Paul says he's distressed. And that is a Greek word that, that, that is a very strong word that means deep mental and emotional disturbance. Some scholars think he had an emotional breakdown in Rome. 
So Paul, uh, if we read between the lines, and I know we're doing a little bit that tonight because we don't have that much information. Paul is, is essentially saying, hey, thank you for sending this young man to care for me. Um, but he's about died and he seems to be having a, a nervous breakdown. So I'm sending him back because <laughs> I can't care for him because I'm in prison. But he wants them to love and honor him. So he says, remember, Epaphroditus is my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's a messenger. He's ministered to me. Remember, he's nearly died risking his life for me. So he's not shaming him. And he uses this word uh, for risk his life. It's called parabolani, uh, which was a gambling term. He says, he threw the dice with his own life to care for me, guys. And the parabolani become an order in the early church. The parabolani were the people that would volunteer during plagues to go care for the sick. They would gamble with their lives to care for the sick. And Epaphroditus was was kind of the patron saint of that movement. And Paul says, we saw a wonderful little movie last night called Bridge of Spies. And I won't won't give it away. Some of you are still mad at me for giving away the Downton Abbey ending, which is uh, Turner particularly. But this is, you guys, you know, the same thing happens every year at Downton Abbey. So, at any rate, one of the things that happens in this wonderful movie is that uh, a soldier shot down, and, uh, a pilot shot down in a U-2 uh, over the Soviet Union in the early 60s and is then sent back to America. And when he comes back, everybody hates him because they feel like he betrayed his country. That is the situation that Epaphroditus is in. He's going back, and the Philippians are likely not to accept him because they feel that he's failed in his mission. And Paul says, no, honor him. Receive him with joy. Now, third example is Paul. Now think about this for a moment. Paul is in this jail cell. He's near the end of his life. He's realizing that he might die. And Roman prisons did not offer services for prisoners. So uh, if you wanted food or medicine or clothing you had to have a family member bring it. Paul didn't have family in Rome. For whatever reason, the churches are not caring for him in Rome. So the Philippians hear about it, and they send Epaphroditus to care for him. Timothy comes over to care for him. Paul is likely not to survive long if he loses these two men. Paul hears about the needs in Philippi, takes the gifts that have been given to him, and gives them back to Philippi leaving him alone. So it's a tremendous act of sacrifice. And, you know, if, if we were doing the, the scan or the screen or the, 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 the shot of the end of this scene, I, I think it would be of Timothy and Paul in his jail cell, maybe around a candle, maybe around a, a little chunk of bread, a little glass of wine, and then Timothy walking out into the night. And leaving Paul alone. And we read about how Paul felt about that later when, he, when Paul writes another letter to Timothy. And he says, do your best to come to me soon. For Damas, in love with the present world, he's deserted me. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpos at Troas and also the books. And please come before winter. So, so there's three examples of Christ-like love here. You've got Timothy, 
timid and suffering with a stomach problem. He cares so deeply for the Philippians that he walks 800 miles to help them solve conflicts. Epaphroditus, homesick, emotionally distraught, risks his life somehow to serve Paul. And Paul, aging and lonely, betrayed by his closest friends, gives away the two men who could keep him alive. Well, what do we learn about Christ-like love from their examples? I think this is the biggest lesson. Love is sacrifice. If you love like Christ, it will cost you. The first sacrifice that I see in here is the sacrifice of empathy. These guys have so much love for this Philippian church, so much love for Paul, that they're willing to risk their life and carry their burdens with them all of their lives. There's a price to caring, you know that. There's a cost to getting close enough to someone that you lie awake at night thinking about them. The second sacrifice that that I see here is the sacrifice of leaving. I don't like this one at all. I I like what uh, Jonathan Hargrove was saying. I think a lot of the Christian life is staying put. But sometimes sacrificial love means being willing to say goodbye. Being willing to go. Being willing to have that last dinner where you realize you're not going to see him again. I don't like that. That's part of it. Third sacrifice that I, that I think we see here is the sacrifice of loneliness. Again, you know, sometimes at the end of a TV show or a movie, they'll kind of give you a snapshot of the main characters as they're going on their way. And at the end of this little scene, what you have are three people who are pretty much alone. Timothy alone, going back to Philippi. Epaphroditus, you know, I kind of picture him on a boat going over the Adriatic with his head in his hands, wondering, how are they going to receive me? And Paul, sitting alone in his jail cell. And I, I find this so paradoxical, and honestly, I struggled with this sermon more than most, because I think all good preaching comes back to hope, and and. and and I'm struggling to find some of the hope here. We're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to get to hope. But, but this is a book all about community and the richness of community and how important love is and how much we need relationships and how we should work on relationships. And the three main characters in the, in the book, in the story, all end up kind of alone. And this is a part of the Christian life. This is a part of the narrow way that sometimes when you commit to love another, it means you sacrifice some of your own needs to be loved. That there are times when you lay down genuine relational needs that you have and that you desperately want to be met so that you can love someone else to meet their needs. That's a hard word. 
that's, that, that's a narrow path. And then the last sacrifice is the sacrifice of rejection. Interestingly, we never hear anything about Timothy again. We don't know if they received him in Philippi. Uh, Paul was worried they wouldn't. We don't hear anything about Epaphroditus again. We don't know how he was received in Philippi. Paul was worried that they wouldn't. Paul is rejected by the entire Roman church who he'd come to love and encourage. That's a big sacrifice. Sometimes loving well, sometimes moving towards someone you care about, means you're rejected. So where's the hope? I think it's here. Remember, remember two weeks ago when we looked at that little phrase, God is at work within you? The word of work is God is at work within us. I think what happens here is that if we, we get to a place of surrender and reckless abandonment where we are going to love because Christ has sent us to love, even if we're rejected, even if we're lonely, even if we're misunderstood, whatever the cost, we're going to experience what Christ experienced on the cross. I mean, isn't, isn't everything we've just described what he experienced on the cross? Rejection, loneliness. If you love that way, You'll experience that, but you'll experience something else. You'll experience him. There's just no way human beings can love this way without, without him. You can't do it. You just can't humanly do it. And I think that's why this is such a narrow path. It's not one most of us want to walk. But if you walk it, you meet Christ in a way you never dreamed possible. And that's our hope.